1199 at Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. <laughs> And welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern for about an hour. We talk about guns. Uh, we uh, have a couple of regular hosts. At some point, you guys are going to just be called hosts. We got uh, Dead Horse jumping in from Utah. Thanks for joining. Howdy. And we got Gary jumping in from Kansas. Thanks, Thanks for, for the invite. Bet. So uh, it's Friday, and it is episode 605. I don't even have the schedule on that. And, uh, on Fridays, we usually talk about gun tech or the industry, and I'm pulling up the schedule. I don't think we've got a pretty barren schedule this week, so I'll see what we got down there. Nothing. So we could pretty much go wide open with this one. Um, I have a couple of things I wanted to talk about, but we usually start out the show seeing if anything happened overnight or if anything happened in any of those warm-up shows worth talking about. Um, Yeah, I saw uh, did you, well, you know, because you were on it, uh, Gwiz, but uh, the uh, Clover's chat with the long, with that uh, that uh, gunsmith, um, I thought that was a really good chat. Carl? Yeah. Yeah. Neat. We haven't, I don't think we've ever had a, a what would you call that, like a fine gunsmith or a... Um, an accurate gunsmith. There's plenty of people who are gunsmiths who can do gunsmithing, but then when you what you know get uh, what's the word uh, when you uh, go to one specific um, when you specialize in one specific area, um, you can get pretty good. So uh, I think he brought a lot of insight to that concept because I think a lot of people who knows what they're thinking when they hear an expensive gun, like what they think what makes that gun expensive, right? Like what elements of that are expensive? And well, probably think the barrel. The barrel's well, expensive. One thing I don't think, I didn't hear him touch on, I don't know if he did, but um, like when I was hearing him talk about like truing up an action, like taking two days, right? Just to like true up an action. Like to me, that represents all hand work. Like that guy is doing stuff with stones and files and hand work and maybe a little bit of like a hand like an actual like hand driven mill stuff like that like not state-of-the-art cnc machines so you get like a personal you know i don't, I don't know you you get it like hand work that i would dare say it's more precision because a machine doesn't know little tips and tricks necessarily right and uh and you can mill any, use a state-of-the-art machine and mill anything, square the surface of anything up perfectly straight. But, like, his, I'm sure that handwork involves a lot more than that and probably a smoother surface because he's probably using, like, some super fine, hard Arkansas stone to, you know, trim everything up so it's just not a machined and, and buffed surface. And there, there's a lot that goes into that. So when he says two days, like, yeah, I bet that's very, very high-quality, you know, Packages put in together. Yeah, good job. And I wouldn't have never known that that was uh, not something that they planned out for a long time. So, uh, 
Yeah. Testament to Clover's uh, hosting ability at this point. All right, well, so it's Friday, so I was going to touch a couple of things. Uh, it's pre-patch Friday, so a couple of people have already taken advantage of that. We always thank them. Uh, on Fridays, you don't need any coupons or any minimum orders or anything at all. Uh, if you have place an order at your websites on Fridays, we throw an extra patch in there. It's one of the ways we can uh, get stuff out there that isn't selling, right? So some of the stuff that if we only have one or two of, maybe a color variation or a prototype or something that we uh, eventually, like some of the, one of the things that got sold today was an Arizona state shape that has like the flag, Arizona flag in it. And I, did, you know, we'd sewed a bunch of those to try to figure out what to do. And then we did one in PVC. So we put those on our store and, you know, they sell eventually, but uh, that's the kind of stuff that we'll give out as a free patch so that uh, people can get stuff that's not necessarily for sale, uh, not necessarily something off of a catalog or anything that you could ever, you know, some a lot of stuff is one of a kind. Uh, also, some of the stuff we have a lot of uh, that are popular, you know, like the PVC or the, what do you call them, spam cans, so, uh, or little revolvers and stuff. So anyway, we try to say thanks, and uh, a lot of the inventory is, you know, purchased already, so... Uh, it's it's something that we can do to say thanks to the people that purchase and and, and uh, give them a little something extra on Fridays. And uh, like I say, some people have already done that today, and we thank them for that. Uh, one of the people bought a patch from the store for Every Second Matters, and I just wanted to talk about that story because I don't know if we talk about it enough. So Every Second Matters is a, an awareness campaign. It's not anything to join. There's no membership or anything. It's just the concept of being aware of the Second Amendment and as an advocate, taking some time on a regular basis to talk about the Second Amendment. So we do that on the second day of the month. And whoever bunch of us came up with the concept of this logo that isn't necessarily a gun logo. So if someone sees that on a, on a jacket or on a hat or on a bag or something and ask what it is, if it's appropriate, you can say, hey, it's about yeah, the Second Amendment. You want to talk about that or, you know, whatever, you know, Second Amendment, I'm all into guns. Um, so it's an opportunity to start a conversation. If it's not an opportune moment, you can just kind of archive that. And maybe next time you're sitting in a car with that person or waiting in line someplace, and there is a time when you can talk about it, you can say, hey, remember that patch? Uh, let me, let's talk about Second Amendment and let's talk about guns. You never know when you're going to meet somebody who's, you know, because of the way that culture is today, had never talked about guns either, but they're another gun guy or somebody else who likes to go shooting. So, um, if that is the result, that's awesome. But if it's the result that you get somebody on the fence to start thinking more about the Second Amendment and gun rights, the gun owners' rights, then that's what it's all about. So that second, every second matters. And then we do have patches for it. Um, the patches do support the website. The website is uh, everysecondmatters.com. And it did cost something. We didn't really do a fundraiser for it. We just uh, built it on speculation. So the way that we're paying for all the software and everything over there and the hosting is with the patches and anybody that buys them uh, goes towards that effort and that's what I wanted to talk about today when people buy the patches uh, from every second matters we don't we ship them from Tucson but not from at gear websites here we have them over at a place called the uh, beacon group so beacon group is an organization here in Tucson uh, they've been around for a long time and they employ they don't just exploit people that are uh, differently abled but they employ them, they give them jobs, and those people show up, and uh, a lot of times it's, you know, it's encouraging, and it's uh, 
um, it's good to have something to do, right? It's good, good to have some purpose. Uh, a lot of times there's government programs that'll, you know, depending on your situation, will pay for you to just exist. And who wants to do that? So there's people out there that like to work and like to do stuff, but they're not able to keep up with uh, necessarily everything else that's out there. And Beacon Group provides them an opportunity to, to assemble, to build, to package, to ship, to do work, repetitive work, to do work like what we do. We, we pack the patches in an envelope or a little bag with the paperwork and the sticker. Uh, and they told us that that gives them a, a interesting job to do. And then of course, whenever a, uh, every second matters patch gets sent, it gets sent from Beacon Group. Uh, so we only get like, I think the patch is $12 or something. Uh, Beacon Group gets like seven of that. And you know, the patch costs a couple of bucks. So we don't really make money on the patches, but uh, I feel like it's going to good cost. So I don't think we talk about that enough. So I wanted to talk about that tonight. No, I really liked I like the idea that a beacon group, uh, you know, employing people with disabilities and stuff like that, that there's a place out there that, uh, you know, specializes in that. I wish there was more of them, right? Yeah, because I've seen places where they'll employ, quote unquote, and really what it is is they get free labor and then they get all kinds of incentives and get the building for free and this and that. And it's not necessarily always a bad thing. But anyway, these people are literally getting a paycheck and they're working. So I think that's even more commendable. I'm sure the building's free and all that for the organization, but um, so it's a company of a family-based company, and it's a it's a neat place too. It's just a neat place to go into. It's an old, I don't know, some kind of an assembly building, some kind of old, some kind of old factory. A neat place. That's a good cause, and the great patches too. Yeah, uh, we have uh, black and white ones, pink, green, and glow in the dark. I think so uh are and uh fde right oh yeah so maybe that is maybe not glow in the dark it's been a while and i don't touch them you know I, well no you got the well i got the glow in the dark and uh the fde oh, had glow in the dark but i don't think they had oh okay that was like a previous run from years ago that would be cool Patriot saying there's a place in Louisiana that makes flags and he likes purchasing through them. Yeah. There's uh, another, there's a couple of places that provide uh, materials and products for uh, the government. And I like their, uh, like when you go to surplus store or whatever, those are some of the best stuff. Yeah, they really make good stuff. Oh, we're not. Russ is saying that the Beacon Groups puts together some of their parts. So Russ works for a place that sells and services equipment. So let's say you buy a big giant piece of equipment that costs millions of dollars, a piece of tooling. Uh, it's going to cost something to make that machine run and to have preventive maintenance done so you don't ruin a really expensive machine. So you buy that on a lease. You buy it from a company like Russ's and then they provide somebody like a Russ to show up and do all the calibrations and the preventive maintenances and the upgrades and whatever else. And then you know swap out the machine when a new one comes available. So it sounds like his company uses Beacon Group for some of their assembly. So that's cool. All right. So industry. Um, any industry topics come to mind? You've been reloading a lot. 
has Gary been up to? What have I been up to? Not a whole lot of reloading, that's for sure. Uh, not really a whole lot of than I uh, put together a video today about holsters in response to uh, never enough ammo. But uh, other than that, just uh, pretty much day off, taking it easy. And I'm just looking for ideas for where we could get industry stuff. I don't know if there's much holster industry. It's a tough one to tackle. It is. Over varied and wide. Of course, reloading would be the same way. So, and you've been buying most of your stuff off of Lee. Is there any reason other than they're red? Uh, price. <laughs> A lot of the reasons price, but, you know, I've had my little Challenger press for 10 years. I've had that press for literally exactly 10 years. And it's reloaded a lot of 41 mag, and it's held up really well. So it was kind of like, I don't know, uh, it wasn't that hard of a decision when looking at prices. Literally, I, I got a 12-gauge shotgun reloader, a progressive press set up just for 9mm, and a progressive press set up just for 223, all cheaper than what I could buy a Dillon for. So I... It was kind of a no-brainer to me for what I want to do, which is just create some fast plinking rounds for the family to shoot. If I want to do anything precision, I'm more than happy on doing it on my little single-stage press. And uh, so, you know, for what I really wanted to do, like, it was kind of a no-brainer to me to, you know, go the three-press route than the one-press route. So that's really just nothing more than price, really. But I'm really happy with them so far. I mean, they're... I, they're working fantastic. So, you know, I've loaded up nine millimeter and two two three now. I haven't done the twelve gauge yet. I haven't loaded up any twelve gauge. I don't have any of the stuff to load up twelve gauge. So, I, but that's next. So, and I wish all my twelve gauge stuff wasn't like bolted down and then like holding up my at least my helmet. I know my helmet is sitting on my powder thing and probably like three things with a strap on it. Probably some RPD drums. So I don't know where I would put all that stuff if I got rid of my shotgun reloader. But I do need to sell that thing. Probably sell all the other stuff too. Oh, let's talk about helmets. We were, I think we talked about talking about helmets. Where do you guys fall on helmets? Honestly, I've like <laughs> the only time I've ever been into wearing a helmet's on a motorcycle. And uh, that wasn't even always like that. That was just like if I knew I was getting on the freeway or something. So I've always like, like even like when we were on job sites where we, where we were supposed to wear helmets, I never did. Like we'd have one in the truck just in case like OSHA showed up or some shit. Like we'd have a couple in the truck, but I never wore them. And like as far as like combat helmets or anything like that, I've never owned one and never you know I'm not into it. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't like to wait extra weight sitting on my head, but you know, I, I mean, I, I don't see a need of that. I'm going to probably be needing one sooner or later anyway. So and they're 500 bucks, right? Like I, I, most of them are you know, so. not all 500, but the good ones can be hundreds of dollars for sure. But it's maybe, yeah, uh, maybe like a surplus helmet, like an old surplus, just like uh, steel helmet or something. And I could, uh, Kevlar line it myself, something like that on the cheap, I might be interested in, but uh, 
man, I there's no way I can afford one of those high-end helmets and then justify it just sitting in the closet because I would never use it. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, it would only be there for a just-in-case thing, right, for me. And I don't know if I can justify 500 bucks for a just-in-case item. Well, hold on. Let's, let's clear things up. So we've got a couple of different kind of helmets for sure. You brought up construction helmets. That's interesting because that one, I didn't think about that one, but those are definitely a, uh, an option. Uh, but you're talking motorcycle helmets. Those are pretty much designed so that you take a fall and you don't get spinal injury. So they're and you know, cranial injury from the throwing, you know, throwing your body off into the wherever. So uh, they're the least comfortable or like whatever would you call it, dexterous of all helmets. Um, I don't know about weight-wise. They're not really that heavy from what I know of them. But, um, Eric, you've had bikes. You've ridden with helmets, I'm sure. And then uh, you were in the military more recently than me. So when you were in, I you got the same kind of, you got a different kind of helmet than I had actually yeah, had this kind, I think. First helmet? Yeah, first helmet? No, not that This kind? Roll up. I can barely hear you. This one? No, the first one would be a Mitch. Voice. Mitch? Yeah. Oh, so you had a Mitch. Okay, so there was a Mitch, but then before the Mitch, and the Mitch has like a different cut, let's call it. So you started with what we had, which was the fiberglass liner with a piece of metal shell. And these aren't necessarily heavy, but they're not lightweight. And these are the ones you see in like anything from Vietnam, Korea, World War II, pretty much. That's what we had in basic. And then we got issued, What's what came after the Mitch? This one, right? So an ACH or whatever. Actually, yeah, ACH is what I have. Mitch is what they're using now. Okay, so there was one before this then was maybe that was a little bigger. But anyway, so you went from a fiberglass with a metal shell. So that meant you could take the metal shell off if you just needed a bump helmet, basically. So in other words, you could do a lot with just that fiberglass helmet, uh, walking around inside of places or in a vehicle. You can imagine like inside of a tank or something like where you might just bump your head on stuff. It's like a construction helmet. It's just... Uh, a way to keep your head from knocking into things and getting sores all the time. Um, but then whenever you need to you throw that metal on there, and I guess it was a little bit of aid from fragments or whatever. Then they went to a Kevlar, basically a uh, kind of a, I don't know what to call it. It's just fiberglass, I guess, yeah, uh, in a shape that gives you enough room to be comfortable. And huh? It's like, uh, is Kevlar in it? But there's something else in there because it's very hard. Kevlar isn't a hard material. It's soft. So yeah, there's got to be some kind of resin or something. Yeah. It's a lot more like a motorcycle helmet, I guess, but stronger than a motorcycle helmet. It's designed to take a 9mm bullet, I think, or at least that much shrapnel and stuff. Yeah. The insides of it are just a bunch of pads, so you lose the suspension system and stuff, and instead you just get kind of like a motorcycle helmet, just a bunch of pads in there, and then you strap it to your chin, and that holds it on your head. The cut of it is pretty low, so when you try to look up or side to side, it can get in the way, especially if you're wearing armor that has shoulders and a neck and everything. So uh, that's when they went to these Mitches, where they kind of cut the, well, they cut the uh, ears up a little bit, and they these are the more expensive ones now. I think they're the same ballistic ratings; they're just a more comfortable. Yeah, it's just a fit. different cut, but there's like a Mitch 2000, 2001, and 2003. Or there may be a 2004, I'm not sure, but it's either a 2003 or 2004, like the latest one. And then from there, it started evolving into the high cut stuff. 
So without getting too much, because I don't know, we're no experts on it other than some experience, but um, with that general theory of it, the metal ones, I wouldn't bother with. They are heavy and they're just pointless. I mean, they're, they're, they look like a helmet, but they have like none of the advantages of just a regular old construction helmet and then none of the benefits of a newer military helmet. So I would just discount this completely, except for like a military collector's type of thing. They look really cool with the net on them like from World War II or whatever, but aside from just looking awesome, pointless. I wouldn't even consider them. Uh, so what we're talking about is not the $250 even. I'm thinking these, like this one, you can get for $150, bucks. P-A-S-T-G or whatever, that's what it is. I don't know how to say that, but that's the one that I think what we had. And these are nothing. And I guess it's possible for them to get broke or cracked or stress fractured or something and be less useful. But for $150, does that change your mind at all, Dead Horse, as far as like having something in the pile as a potential useful thing or no? It's right. still too much. But, okay, so, what, the Dead Horse, I want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, that definitely, you know, like a lot of the helmets that I was looking at, you know, were, I, I think some of the cheapest ones were like 350 you know, and then like they went up to five, $600 from there. And uh, so 150, yeah, that's not that bad. Like that's not. Now will that one right there still stop like a nine millimeter? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're designed to. I mean, nothing's going to probably just stop a nine millimeter shooting at your head. But this is better ballistic protection or projectile protection than an old Vietnam one, I think. Definitely more comfortable. And probably a lot lighter, right? I think so. I don't know. I haven't actually weighed them, but it seems like it. No, real world, real world, real world prices actually ACHs and Mitches are normally sub hundred dollar helmets. Um, yeah, now even a hundred, now a hundred dollars. That sounds a whole lot better if that's a viable option. And see if you don't know about helmets, right? You're like, I don't know which one of these is good. Like which right? one? Like you know. the one I'm selling that I had neglected to post it up yet, but the one I'm selling, like. I mean, you're talking $120 tops is probably what you're going to get from one of those um, simply because the market isn't demanding something like that. Uh, you know, you everyone, the market is leaning towards the fancy high cut, Team Wendy, Opscore, whatever style. Um, and even the bump helmets that offer no ballistic uh, protection cost more than, say, a military Mitch or ACH. Exactly, that's a great point. And that's one of the other, so let's get into that part of it. So I don't know, feel free to stop us. Russ jumped in, Gary's here. Um, but basically the way that I was getting to is a lot of people say, oh, I don't need a helmet because I want to play GI Joe or whatever. And uh, you don't really, if you think of old helmets, you don't really think of them as being useful for anything except for protecting your head. But when we get into bump helmets, what Kirk is talking about are basically skateboard helmets. Um, which is literally what they started out. Just they, the guy started wearing skateboard helmets. They paint them a color that wasn't bright, and that gave them uh, ability to not knock their heads in helicopters and all these places. We talked that helmets are useful, but they didn't need a helmet because nobody was actually hitting them with stuff. They just, you know, needed a thing to protect their head. So uh, they started to look more into those and develop them and put these rails on them, basically, so accessory rails. So now you've got night vision. 
which you know is mounted to a helmet typically you've got lights potentially so lights that give you distance viewing or task lights that give you close-up viewing uh, then you've got ear pro which you can get your ear pro that can connect to your helmet as opposed to your head and when you're wearing something for any length of time the less stuff that's strapped to your actual head with compression the better right so if you can get your ear pro from pinching your brain all day long and just being a part of your helmet that could be a big potential uh and what am i missing comms you can get comms right into a helmet and uh and for those reasons i'm wondering if that changes anybody's minds on if a helmet's a valuable piece of kit or not well uh so this is my take on a helmet any any helmet it can be from whatever so it, it is it's it depends on your desire so like you said if you're looking for something like dead horror says some oh, oh shit situation you know whatever that's zombie shit we always talk about whatever right if you're looking for that something to just put away in the cut and let's sit until you may or may not need it cool um if you're the type of guy that are is, is like in the training and stuff like that um once you get into the more advanced like cqb house clearing like uh stuff and working in teams and stuff in these types of classes and stuff armor is a requirement um, so you need a ballistic helmet and you would also need some type of body armor also. Um, you know, if then say even if you're getting into like night vision, night vision shooting or something like that, um, you know, you need if you're going to it's better to put knobs on on the, a helmet instead of the, the firearm. So, you know, you're going to need something to support that. They have harnesses for your head, which kind of suck. Um, they and then you got bump helmets and you got uh, you know ballistic helmets, um, so you may want to get you know at least the bump helmet to have all this stuff on your head. You know, nod. You got a counterweight for that. You might want to run a white light or you know some type of. Then you got the option to connect your ear pro, like you said earlier, to the helmet so it's all in one piece. It just depends on what what you're going to be doing. You know what I mean? Um, as far as just protection. You know, if you're just looking for something to protection, just get something that is a certain ballistic rating that you're comfortable with, at a price you're comfortable with, and and that's where it's at. You aren't looking for anything in particular fancy or cool like what what G is showing now. Then you know, it, you know, like it, it just all depends, man. You know. Yeah, I always think the ballistic part is if you got the money to, then great. But the functionality stuff of a helmet. Doesn't matter if you got night vision, you know, nods or whatever. Like Gurk is saying, though, if you have it, you got a 14, and NVS 14 is probably one that most people are going to use their introductory level. That's one tube, and it's, you know, it's big around as Big Apple or something. It's what you see most common a few years ago on everybody's uh, goggles. So they you know, would flip down off of their helmet, off of this thing on the front here. You've all seen how that thing hinges down, and if it's one lens, it's probably a 14. And then if it's two lenses or four, you're talking lots and lots of money. But a 14 isn't cheap, but you can either mount it to your helmet on some sort of a little hingy thing, um, or you can put it to your rifle. Putting it on your rifle might seem like a great idea, but it's kind of limiting. Even if, you aren't, if you're aren't, if you okay with pointing your rifle all around, you know, trying to use it as a regular optic, uh, going with a quick release, I guess, is a potential. Use it like a, mon a monocle or a whatever single handheld type of thing uh, but with the 
The other big advantage of sticking it on your helmet, besides that it's hands-free and it gets out of your way when you're not using it, is you can run batteries on your helmet. So you can have longer, you can have more batteries or longer battery life uh, than you would on a standalone unit. Uh, but most people aren't dealing with nods or whatever. Uh, so what I was going to say is just getting a light on your helmet is insane. So if you go out night shooting at all, um, then you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, then I'd say I'd suggest try going out and doing some night shooting. Um, even if you don't get a chance to go night shooting, I guess, go do some nighttime manipulations, some dry practice with firearms at night, uh, changing magazines and um, holstering and doing all the things you might need to do with a firearm on a defensive situation is difficult when you're doing it at night uh, without being able to see all your surroundings or your own stuff. It's, it's a different situation. So uh, that's where I think people might appreciate the uh, head mounted light. Yep, that's all. And like I said, it can just be simply recreational night shooting. You know, there's there, you know, I was the guy I had a bunch of night vision stuff. I never really got to effectively use it. But I was just trying to get into, um, you know, shooting at night as a, you know, as another aspect of shooting, not trying to be any type of tactical ninja, you know what I mean? But that kind of stuff is kind of required once you get into it, because you see, you know, how, how it makes doing this night shooting more easy, more feasible, you know what I mean? Um, you know, there's a reason why you see these military guys run the stuff that they run is just because it makes it easier, you know? Um, you know, we could all, we, you could strap a PVS-14 to your rifle. That's fine. It works. But it's not the most optimal way to do it. But does talking, anybody change your mind or anybody have anything to throw in there? I don't know if we're trying to sell you helmets or nothing, but I figured we'd talk about it. It's kind of Gert brought it up the other day when we were going through his stuff that he's getting rid of. Yeah, I'll sell you a helmet. <laughs> All right, well, so that was helmets. Anybody got a movie? We'll talk about a movie. Ooh, um, every day. So, uh, Kirk, you haven't been in a while, so we try to talk about a gun shop every day. You got a gun shop you can tell us about? Uh, I got a movie also. If I do the movie first, then the gun shop. Sure. Cool. Yeah, so I just, uh, me and my wife was watching, we went to watch a movie somewhere and we've seen a preview for this movie called Superfly. If you remember the old Superfly, it had like Samuel Jackson in it, somebody else. But uh, we wanted to see it and we ended up uh, going to see it. It was a pretty cool movie. I mean, essentially it's it's about, it's essentially, you know, a drug dealer and, and stuff like that. But he's like this cool, pretty boy type guy, like, you know, and he's not really about like, you know, he doesn't want to really like kill everybody or nothing like that. He's like a really good fighter. He does like jujitsu and stuff. And it's essentially just about him getting caught in a bad situation and um, him trying to figure out how to work himself out of that lifestyle. It's a pretty cool movie. We like it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be something I would go to the theater and see, but definitely like rent a movie or, or something like that. It was a pretty good movie. It's called Superfly. Um, a gun shop. So last time I think I've talked about Quantico Tactical. I haven't, there's a new gun shop. I knew about it, but I didn't know about it. I haven't been there yet, but it's called 50 West Armory. 
It's in uh, Herndon, Herndon, Chantilly, Virginia. It's like right there. They're kind of like connected. Um, if anybody's been to the Nation's Gun Show out there at Dallas Expo Center in Virginia, it's it's pretty close to that. Um, they have, from what I hear, they have some pretty cool stuff. Uh, like they're they're carrying like honey badgers and they're doing like custom AR builds and stuff like that. Um, I haven't been in to experience, you know, them, but from what I've heard is that they're they're very helpful, respectable people. It's a pretty good shop, um, and they got you know a bunch of cool stuff. You know, into stuff other than your average, you know, black gun. You know, they have some pretty cool stuff. So if you're ever in the area, I would check them out. That's 50 West Palm in Perth. Right up. I was over here reading, so I didn't get a. Uh... The website and showed up there but we do try to feature a gun shop every day and that's another one so i guess with that i guess we'll cut it short anybody else have anything to talk about tonight uh did you do a movie yeah he just talked about this oh. Oh. we can do another one I and mean, we got a little bit of time here um we've got a couple of things coming up today is the sixth so today's the day that ruger died and it's also the day that we got our semi-automatic import rifle, semi-automatic rifle import ban in 1989. I guess that'll be tomorrow, actually. So that one's oftentimes confused with the ban on Chinese imports, but I think this one is was a ban on all semi-automatics. That stopped the SVD and some other stuff too, I think, right? What's that? The SVD is the 308, or is their, basically their 308, the 762 back or the long AK-47. We can, we got a few of them in, and then there was a couple of Tigers, and then there was a couple of uh, PSLs, but uh, we didn't see any of those, and I think this is the one that affected that. But I like to say that right around then, 86, 89 or something, or 90 maybe, there was uh, a... Uh, a ban on Chinese ones too, and that stopped everything else. SKSs and ammo and everything else. So I didn't do a good job, but normally I like to bring up those pieces of history so that we will uh, be aware of them and uh, know more about where we got or how we got to where we are now. And it is the sixth, so I'll jump over to this other military history thing. We'll see if anything else happened today. And real quick, while you're doing that, I want to put out a big thing, uh, big thanks, and recommend Safari Land. Um, they're, they're they're a big holster maker. Uh, these, I mean, they make an outstanding product. Um, everything they make is outstanding, from their holsters to any other the gear and ballistic armor for law enforcement and stuff. They 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 make, but their 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 customer reps and uh, the employees are, I mean, grade A. I've only had outstanding experience i had an issue where i lost this little tiny nut to a holster and you know i contacted one of the guys through facebook messenger of all things i didn't have to call the company um but uh he told me you know you, you can't really replace that item 
and I was expecting him to send me a brand, a new uh, whole unit that a locking unit they use in the holsters. The guy sent me a brand new holster and the newest model 7000 series holster for my gun. I mean, it's outstanding. You know what I mean? I mean, I can't, you know, cut me to do that to send me what's probably an 80, $90 holster for free just because I lost a probably a two cent piece. I mean, <laughs> that's going well above and beyond and big thanks to them. And, you know, they they make a great product and, you know, they have a great track record. So you're not using Safari Land, you should at least check them out. Yeah, my pocket holster is a Safari Land, which is bulletproof, which just lasts forever. Yeah, they do. I have about six of them. All right, well, anything else? Looking at the military history page over here, there was a couple of um, Congressional Medal of Honor honors awarded today. Um, but further back here, and I guess because I clicked on something, it removed my little note. But uh, there was an interesting thing here. Today, in 1923, the Union of Soviet Social Republics was formed. So the USSR was created today in 1923. So they're trying to hork off of our 4th of July. So they're coming. Kind of... There's a lot of good history over on that page. All right. So um, I guess that's the show. So thanks, guys, for jumping in. And... We uh, talked about guns, and we talked about guns for a while. We talked about that movie. Well, Gert talked about it, and we brought up a gun shop, and I guess we talked about helmets a little bit. Yeah. I don't think we did do the IG pictures this week. Um, we did do a, well, we kind of had the different show. Did we do the stuff with on Wednesday? The Daily Gun Show showdown? I can't remember whether we did or didn't. I remember the week before. Uh, I yeah. remember the coffee cup won it, but I don't remember. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I don't think you did. Uh, Abe was saying so. Headlight over gun light? No, I don't think so. I think uh, more lights the better. So um, I like task lights on a helmet. I don't really care so much about having headlights that. <laughs> You might not always want to be pointed, pointing your gun at something you want to light up, right? Right. So, yeah, the headlight, that I use those headlamps, a little mini headlamp, and I love the fact that when I'm working on small pieces or trying to look in small areas or whatever, dark dark places, that wherever I, wherever I look, that light's pointing right there. Wherever I turn my head, that light's right there. So I, I love those things. Yeah. Princeton Tech makes this thing that's like uh, the button is probably the biggest part of the whole thing, and it's like the size of a it's just a, wa a watch battery, you know, a little flat battery size of a quarter, and then it's got a little neck on it, a little gooseneck with an LED at the end, and that way you have it on your helmet, but you can poke that thing if you're reading a map on your lap, or if you've uh, got your watch or a GPS or something like on your shoulder, or you know something that you need to just have light on that one little thing, and you're not ruining your night vision or anything like that. Um, that's where those helmet lights can be pretty handy. So you see some of these guys with a bunch of stuff on their helmets. Some of that stuff is just little task lights that they've got. 
But what I want to know what we use to hold our pack of cigarettes and our like uh, Ace of Spades card on our helmet. Like, where does that go? Like, what do we? But another I guess I didn't even think about, but um, another element of a helmet. I just don't see that. I, I don't see that. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I see old pictures of that, but that stereotype. I, I see the actual like old photos of that, but I don't see like any new helmets with a pack of smokes attached to them. Just saying. Yeah, that's because there's a couple of things. One, they had the old fiberglass liner and the metal part, and then you had that net or maybe a piece of fabric. Like they didn't give us a nest; they gave us a piece of fabric. And then uh, the just just kind of sandwiches between the steel and the in the thing. But the fabric or the net is going to flop all around. And sometimes you want it to put leaves and shit in there, but most of the time you don't want it flopping all around. So they would give you this little piece of elastic that would or whatever to tie it down, kind of to the helmet. And then, like ours, at least, you have rain dries in the back. So little glow-in-the-dark little pieces of plastic sewn into that piece of elastic. So you'd put your canvas over or your piece of fabric over your metal pot, and you'd put that little band around there with your rain dries pointing backwards to the back of you. And then uh, you'd wrap your fabric underneath and put the fiberglass thing in. The strap is on the metal part, so that's how it holds onto your head. And... Uh, that's another part of the helmet that we didn't talk about, the identifier. So usually nowadays we have friendly identifiers in IR so that since we're typically the only ones running around with infrared vision and being able to see things in low light, uh, we use materials that reflect uh, IR. So in regular white light and dark regular lighting, you don't see anything. Uh, maybe you see it as a very reflective surface sometimes, depending on how they make it. Um, and you've seen it like on vehicle stickers and stuff where they have that very reflective um, stickers, like almost a diamond etched type of holographic sticker. Um, and they do that in IR. And uh, yeah, now that they do that kind of stuff with Velcro and patches or you know, in other ways, um, they don't use the piece of elastic anymore. And that's that piece of elastic is where, of course, you stuck your cigarettes and the other stuff sometimes. You didn't really get to do that ever. But, uh, I mean, not where anybody, they'd yell at you if you had stuff jammed in your helmet, but in pictures and in movies and shit, they do it all the time. Yep. On the new, uh, on the Army helmets that are still issued now, the ACH, the Mitch, whatever, they still use that because the helmet cover, it requires that. Um, so you can tie down the cover to it. Um, there's like little holes in the side of the cover, and it goes from the inside. Uh, up through the side of the helmet, through the hole, onto the elastic. That's what holds it down. And like I said, it has the identifiers. It have like your name, blood type on it, or your rank or something sewn into it, real small. Um, you know, but it isn't. It isn't that stretchy. The ones they issue issues now. So you probably couldn't put a pack of cigarettes through it, like you could in the past. But now, I mean, we got Velcro pockets everywhere. Cigarettes just going here. Shoulder, your arm body. <laughs> I now I know. Uh, I know Russ is a very knowledgeable guy. I'm curious what he, what helmet he thinks is good, or if he owns any, like uh, what style he prefers. Uh, I have one from about 12 years ago. It's um, fiberglass reinforced Kevlar with uh, some sort of polymer over top of it. It's like wearing a center block on your head. <laughs> I got that when I was overseas uh, contracting, and um, 
Uh, it, uh, I seen a guy take an AK round to the, to the helmet and it bounced off. Well, it busted his head open, but it didn't kill him. Are there uh, helmets that are like rifle rated? That are not really, no, not a direct hit. Probably something like a bomb disposal guy is about the biggest helmet you can get, right? I was just wondering if there was new fancy, like uh, ceramic mixed, you know, just something like new state of the art that where they've got up that good that where they can take 308 or 30 out six rounds or something, you know. Like, I, I just wondered if technology has progressed that far. No, I think I, one of those things like you might be able to stop a 308 round in a head, but a head is still a head, so a neck can only take so much, like of a ball peen hammer hitting it versus a three pound sledgehammer hitting it. Yeah, I think the biggest, I think the biggest issue with that is that it could, it could possibly you can make it home to stop around all day and still be pretty feasible to run your head. The problem would be back face deformation, so you get shot in the head and then you got a big bubble coming out the helmet and a nice little crater in your forehead and then you well that would still be more preferable than the bullet passing through though right like so so even though you still might not survive like it'd probably increase the chance right yeah i think i probably have my skull have a big crater in my head and my skull and broken to pieces and went in my brain and even if i live you know you're a vegetable so i i think it would be no survival in that situation or, or, you know, any cognitive functions available after that. So. Well, what has the state of the art body armor gotten to? Like what level, like where are we at right now? Like, is it ceramic? Because I know a lot of guys like the ceramic because they're lightweight and stuff like that. But I think that they have a shelf life and that they're maybe more fragile than like a steel plate, right? And it's I know they're, they're multi-layer polyethylene stuff now too. Most of the time, it's just because they've. If you try to make it again, they there's you can't make a helmet stop something that's going to kill you anyway. So they just try to make it stop the stuff that it's you know, applicable to nine millimeters and and fragments from a you know, debris or whatever. Um, and then the other side of that is being able to move your head around because you're useless if you can't look left or right or up. So they, you know, there's, there's always going to be like that gap and stuff. So they're, um, I don't know how much technology they're putting into it, I guess what I'm saying. It's not like they can put something, let's say they could have like a piece of paper that could stop a 308, like Girk saying, your head is still getting hit by a 308 round. Or 50 BMG or whatever it might be, that's gonna hurt you, like your humanness. So uh, stopping the bullet is kind of okay, you're gonna have a pretty corpse, but you got a corpse still. So that's why I figure they just don't try to make helmets that can stop all that or whatever. It seems like now they're making them more useful. Like first they figured out, hey, we can put Kevlar on them and stop stuff that we couldn't stop before, and then they got to a certain point where it was so thick you couldn't even look around. That's where some of the cheapest helmets are too, I guess, the ones that are the largest. Like what it sounds like Russ is talking about. Sometimes when you were uh, given a helmet, just like at a construction site, when you're given a helmet to somebody who's just there for the day or like, you know, boss or somebody or some kind of inspector forgot their helmet, 
you're not going to give them the best useful helmet. You're just going to give them a helmet that fits everybody and it works. So sometimes those are inexpensive. But anyway, I don't think they're trying to put too much tech into new materials. At least I haven't seen anything. From a chat show, I'm usually curious about helmets. Well, I've seen these new helmets, okay, and that they have a full face mask with like like goggles built in and all that, right? And they look like futuristic. I'm sure you've had to have seen those on. I mean, I have put face masks on. So I'm just wondering, like, how are those like, like how state of the art are those? And like, you know, does does that front face mask actually offer any protection, or is that just there for looks, or like what? Like, you know, like Kirk was saying, what you're doing, you know, if you're never going to get shot in the face, then you don't want to wear around a face mask all the time. Well, I was through it, drinking and breathing. Precision, I think it was Cry Precision. They came out with like some helmet. Like a whole like helmet thing, it looked like a, you know, like a mag style over the head, full face type helmet thing, and it had like has like panels that you can bolt on to the helmet, you know, all over the little helmet, and I think they were like level three or maybe level three A, which is NIJ rated for you know handgun rounds, essentially. Um, I'm not completely sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what it was. Um, I can probably shit. I can possibly try to find a picture of it real quick. Oh, let's see. I think that's I, that's what it was. That's slow internet in the basement. Let's see, cry. So polymer, I haven't seen any polymer helmets ever. And I, get I don't see too many efforts at face masks. Face masks are more for... Here we go, I screen share this real quick. Green thing on the left. In the toolbar. So, like, something like this, them, this is what I'm talking about. I don't know how, like, feasible this like design or whatever. yeah exactly like you know stuff like that i've seen a different one just like that slightly different i actually i've seen a couple just like that are slightly different you yeah, have these panels that are you know that you can screw on or whatever and it's supposed to offer some type of protection those are fake though you can tell that's fake because there wouldn't be uh, there wouldn't be places for a bullet to etch the whale on your face on a real one it would be smooth like a dome or an egg or something no they're actually ballistic helmets Fire blog did an article on them um yeah see it says uh ballistic, although it looks like our is an actual ballistic helmet it is level two protection okay it's level two yeah so that I means legit so what, level two. so what's level two is like level two like nine millimeter only yeah, yeah level, like a 380 will go right through that. Well, anything will go through that, I am sure. But I don't know what level two protects, but well, I don't know. Have you seen some of those shoot new shooting glass lenses? Like, like they're supposed to be able to stop bullets like nine millimeter. I've seen some of those new. I think they're like poly, some kind of polycarbonate lens, and uh, they. Uh, you know, I've they shoot, they put that lens in a jig and shoot it so it's just not all loose, right? So it just doesn't absorb the energy and go flying. 
like and even a fixed in a jig it's stopping a nine millimeter and it's just a thin piece of like polycarbonate it's some brand of shooting glasses like I, i've seen their ads even on youtube them advertising them on youtube and stuff I think they're called call it yeah call it the, no no Rudy the Rudy project are are like the top of the heap right now as far as like for eyewear protection anywhere I mean they they cover way more than shooting like biking skiing stuff like that but they have shooting glasses and they're like top of the heap I mean but you're talking three fifty you know for a complete set of you know what I mean it's out of a lot of people price range and what they don't find necessary you know but you know, I hear it's worth it. It's not in my budget, um, but you know, it's out there. But I don't know if they're gonna stop a nine mil though. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know how the glasses are rated or anything, and I don't, I can't remember what level two is. Level two has to be something like really, like you know, small handgun only. That's got to be something like maybe, I maybe forty five down. Something like that. Because level three goes to, uh, like, level, uh, is it three or level 3A goes to at least, like, a, like, 357 mag and stuff. So level two has to be, like, way weaker than that, right? Well, there's only level one. And then I don't even see level one sold anywhere. So two is pretty much the. Well, isn't level one just like knife protection or something? Oh, no, because that's like, different. Knife would be completely. I mean, the strongest ballistic stuff won't stop a knife. Knives are different. But uh, no, I don't know what the level one is. But it's be a whole other thing. So we talk about helmets today. We can talk about that in a future show, especially when we're talking about tech. Uh, with that, though, I got something coming up here, so I'm going to end it. And uh, does anybody have a quote? Yeah, I have one. Right now. Okay. This is from William S. Burroughs. After a shooting spree, they always want to take the guns away from the people who didn't do it. I sure as hell wouldn't want to live in a society where the only people allowed guns are the police and the military. Guys and gals, gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com. Make some pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Make some pancakes, that's what it's gonna make, bacon pancakes.